Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. What can we do about it in their schools? No, you. That's, that's all I've been doing. I've been. They were at our last meeting. Today. You were talking about someone's friend on someone's lap. The when there were actual kids who yes. were saying they're racist that's acts in their school. Sad. You are sad. But today you want to talk about racist. It hurts people when they see a white man bouncing a brown baby on their lap, and they don't know the context. That is harmful. That makes people cry. It makes people log out of our meetings. They don't come here. They don't come to our meetings. And they give me a hard time because I'm not vocal enough. And I'm not trying to be a martyr. I'm trying to illustrate to you that you think I'm a, excuse me, you think I'm a social justice warrior and you think I'm being patronizing and I'm getting pressure for not being enough of an advocate and I take that to heart and that hurts me and I have to learn to make how to be a better white person. I would like you to know don't have people telling you that. I would like to know before this meeting adjourns how having my friend's nephew on my lap was hurtful to people and was racist. Can you I, please I, explain? I, Tom, I have explained it to you. You can uh, Google, you can read a now. book. Read a book. Read a and welcome back to flyover politic podcast it's the 12th of july year of our lord 2020 and that's a new york city councilman so now a white person holding their nephew it's hurtful to people because I guess whites and blacks should never mingle now. I, I don't know. Unless you're at a protest. I don't fucking know. Today's show is going to be a little abbreviated. Um, it is early as hell and it's four in the morning central time because at three in the morning, the end of day storm came in. In fact, it was so bad, I couldn't hear it, but I thought there were sirens or uh, um Police lights on at 3 in the morning. They woke me up, flashing through the window. So I went outside, and I realized it was the biggest nighttime storm I've seen in a long time. And it's still rocking up there, so if you hear it, even in the basement, I can hear the thunder going. So it's it's not done. So that woke me up, and an hour later, after watching... Few TV shows. We're down in the basement. We're going to cover a great monologue by Tucker Carlson because it's showing the Biden plan and, of course, how the media covered the Biden plan. Uh, a woke section and violence. It's pretty much the standard Pat podcast going forward until we get out of the stupid phase that we're in. I have to start on you know the New York City stuff because they're out of things. They're turning on each other. So the Harper's article. 
to stop cancel culture and open up debate because the left doesn't like it now because it's landing on their doorsteps. I'm going to cover it briefly, but I before I do, I have to cover an amazing thread by Tatiana McGrath. Yes. That turd in a punch bowl. Important thread, brave social justice activists, such as myself, are working tirelessly to expose all the racist elements within our society. Sometimes it's difficult to keep up, so I thought it would be helpful to create a comprehensive list. And I don't think she thought it through. I just don't think she thought it through because she linked everything to it and it pretty much shows that these people are fucking insane. Things that are racist, part one. I think there's 13. No, there's 17. Yeah. Golf. Deadspin writer calls for the Masters golf tournament. Bedrooms. Master bedroom. Jesus. Black Lives Matter activist Sean King says, Statues of Jesus. Chess. Do you think chess is racist? These are all articles she found from the cancel culture. Well, I guess our media, which is part of cancel culture. Manhattan Gandhi cartoon characters. Milk. Cow's milk has long been a symbol used by white supremacists. It's an actual article from uh, uh, some liberal site out of Iowa. Rhodes. Want to tear down insidious monuments to racism and segregation? Bulldoze L.A. freeways, because those are racist. Band-Aids, because they launched the diverse skin thing. Coronavirus, orcs, and lords of the ring. Rice, Uncle Ben's rice. Nurses, skincare product, butter, applause. Oxford students vote to replace clapping with silent jazz hands. Math. Front lawns. Yeah. Symbols of the white racist suburban dream. Hmm. It's interesting. Breakfast cereals. Finding Asian men attractive. Soap. A real article. The racist history of soap. Yeah, you people really have problems. Toothpaste, Colgate to review historically racist history. White people speaking, white people not speaking. The best white statements to make right now may be to shut up. White silence is compliance. Those are two side-by-side articles. Hiking, climate change, ice cream snacks, the Golden Girls, because they had a blackface scene. Biological sex, what the white supremacist roots of biological sex reveal about transphobic feminine. Yeah. Asking, how are you? Be mindful of opening up meetings and interactions with questions like, how are you? Or, how was your weekend? Because that's racist or something. The Oscars. Knitting. Real article. The knitting community is reckoning with racism. Cycling, breweries, air pollution, abolishing slavery. UW students petition to remove Abraham Lincoln's statue. The countryside, the suffrage movement, the medal for the most distinguished order of St. Michael and St. George. Fish, racist 
fish. Yeah, it was a mermaid. Pancake syrup, salt, traffic signals, earthquakes. We've covered pretty much all these. Classical music, horse racing. Try not to be a racist and being nice. Neither actual, uh, sorry white people, but trying too hard not to be racist is low-key kind of racist. White women obsession with being nice is one of the most dangerous tools of white supremacy. Anglo-Saxons, drop the term Anglo-Saxon, it's bound up with white supremacy. Toy Story 4, we covered that on the show, the whiteness of Toy Story 4. Mary Poppins, it's flirting with blackface because he was a chim-chiminy, chim-chiminy, yeah, you're an idiot. Jogging has always excluded black people. Opinion, Washington Post, yeah. The Lake District, wives. For those of my comments who don't seem to know, so-called trad wives are white supremacist women who have devoted themselves to domestic terrorism. Faulty towers. Reaction gifts. That was the one with the blackface. If you use a black person. We covered it. Botany. <clears throat> Doctors of science at Coup. It's time to decolonize botanical collections. Sandwiches. Actual local article. PB&J sandwiches. Are they racist? Environmental activism. I was from Vice. We covered it. Women. Science. Science curricula must be decolonized too. Western philosophy. Libraries. Dogs. We covered that on the show. Can dogs be racist? Dieting. Yoga, country music, Scrabble. The North American Scrabble Player Association is prepared to vote this week to ban more than 200 offensive words. Wine, shoes, the Carrie Petty shoes. Having sex with black people, not having sex with black people. Now this is an uber lib, and I think she knew what she was doing. I don't think this was a actual list. I think she's trying to tell her community, what the fuck? They both can't be racist, because if they're both racist, then what does somebody do? We already got the overriding thing. You're just racist. If you're white, you're racist. So Harper's Magazine, a list of everybody. <coughs> mm-hmm. Wrote this on July 7th. A letter on justice and open debate. We welcome responses to the letter, which, oh, they, they, they got it. Our cultural institutions are facing a moment of trial. Powerful pro- protests for racial and social justice are leading to overdue demands to police reform, along with wider calls for greater equality and inclusion across society. Not least is higher education, journalism, philanthropy, and the arts. This needed reckoning has also intensified a new set of moral attitudes and political commitments that tend to weaken our norms of open debate and toleration of difference and flavor of ideological conformity. As we applaud the first development, we also raise voice against the second. 
The forces of illiberalism are gaining strength throughout the world and have a powerful ally in Donald Trump, who represents a real threat to democracy. But resistance must not be allowed to harden into its own brand of dogma or coercion, which right-wing demagogues are already exploiting, and I'm not reading anymore. So basically what the letter really was is, we don't really believe in free speech, we believe in only our speech, but look at, hey, we're fucking up. Because now they're using it against us, and they're winning, and we can't fucking have that. I mean, we can't ha- we can't cancel ourselves. There's 150 motherfuckers on this. Noam Chomsky signed it. You you can't get lefter than that. <clears throat> J.K. Rowling signed it. Uh, Salman Rushdie signed it. Olivia Newsy signed it. I'm just doing the names I know. Uh. Hmm. I don't know a lot of them. Gloria Steinem. She signed it. Yeah. There's already people that have pulled out and said, well, I didn't mean to sign it. I, I went with it because that group was pretty important, so I signed it, but I, I don't want to sign it now because the world went, shut your fucking yapper. We want to take everybody down. Ian Miles Chong, this is how they bully liberals. Just perform a little guilt by association and voila, instant retraction and apologies. The mob grows larger in number, made up in vertebrates. So each is scared as the next of being seized upon by the self-devouring every hungry mass. William Shatner. So there's this Harper magazine open letter against cancel culture. Apparently a number of the authors signed it. It was published. And a couple signers saw that other signers and objected and now want their names removed. Isn't that exactly what you signed up for? Yeah. A lead person in the 60s. I mean, that dude was pretty fucking liberal. Star Trek was always talking about the oppressed and the lack of oppressed. I just watched an episode yesterday about troglodytes and people in the clouds. It was such a euphemism for society, rich and poor, and how the rich thought those people aren't worthy to live with us. They're just there because they're uneducated masses that just need to dig up shit in our minds. And, of course, William Shatner came in and said, "Uh uh-uh, if they had the opportunity, they could be as smart as you because there's a gas that's making them violent. And it's from the mining. So if we take the gas away, they won't be assholes and the world will be one in kumbaya. Yeah, the gas was racism. I caught it. I fucking caught it. But, yeah. There's your intro for your A block. Because now we get to the important shit. And here's a monologue from Tucker Carlson that literally scared the shit out of me. And the reason why it scared the shit out of me, because these are the same people that want to take away your guns and take away your police. So they take those things away... And then they install the seventh ring of hell. Good 
evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Usually by this point in a presidential cycle, we've got a pretty good idea what the candidates believe. And you'd think that would be especially true this year. Joe Biden has been in politics for more than half a century. This is his third run for president. Since 1969, the year of the moon landing, Joe Biden has been yammering in public virtually without stopping until this year. This year, the famously chatty Joe Biden has said almost nothing. His advisors claim that's because of COVID-19, but nobody believes that. Everybody knows why Biden won't appear in public. When he does emerge, things tend to get strange. Biden's words take on a kind of psychedelic quality. The sentences seem to be connected, yet at the same time, they are strangely disjointed. Newspaper taxis appear on the shore. Rocking horse people eat marshmallow pies. It's mesmerizing to watch. You can almost make out the tangerine trees in the marmalade skies. We thought in our administration we should lower the tax in the high 30s to 28 percent, the lower to 21. I'm going to raise it back up to 28, which is not sufficient to build back. We have to build back better. That's what my plan is, to build back better. It's bold. These aren't somebody else's children. They're all our children. They're the children. Those children are the kite strings that hold our national ambitions of loss. The only entity, the only thing that can tear America apart is America itself, period. What does any of that mean? Honestly, we don't know, but Joe Biden doesn't either. It's all good, man. This is the candidate who could soon be president of the United States. Don't tell him that. It'll only make him anxious. The people around Biden, by contrast, are not anxious. They are completely in control. They know exactly what they want. And yesterday, they gave the rest of us a glimpse of what that is. The Biden campaign released a long document outlining its goals. It was written by Eric Holder, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Simone Sanders, among others. These are the people who will run the country if Joe Biden is elected in November. So what's their plan? Well, in a sentence, they'd like to make the rest of America very much like our biggest cities have become squalid, dangerous, chaotic, and unhappy. They'd like to do to your neighborhood what they have done to New York City. The main thing they've done to New York is make it scary. Violent crime is surging dramatically there, as we have told you night after night. And one of the main reasons for that is the elimination of cash bail. The city no longer holds the people it arrests. Criminals are in and out of custody immediately, and many, of course, go on to commit more crimes. It's nuts. The Biden campaign plans to abolish cash bail everywhere. No bail for any crime nationwide. Think about what that would mean. Americans are fleeing urban areas in huge numbers. Big cities are just too mismanaged. They're too dangerous. Unless you are very rich or very poor, you're getting out. New York City lost 53,000 people in 2019. They will lose far more than that this year. Most of these refugees have relocated to the suburbs, where they imagine they are safe from the effects of disastrous urban policy. But they're not. Democrats want to abolish the suburbs. They are too clean and nice, and therefore, by definition, they are racist. The Biden campaign has highly specific plans on how to do this. It's called Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing. It's a HUD regulation. It was written during the Obama administration. Biden's advisors plan to enforce it. They will cut off critical federal funds for municipalities unless those municipalities submit to federal control of urban planning. Towns will be ordered to abolish zoning for single-family housing because single-family homes, needless to say, are racist. Low-income, federally subsidized apartments will go up in the suburbs. 
It's a good bet you won't see any of this. You won't see projects being built in Aspen or Martha's Vineyard or anywhere else to Eric Holder vacations. But in your neighborhood, oh yeah. Your kids' schools will change, too. The Biden campaign has vowed to bring back Obama's lunatic Title IX rules. Colleges would once again ignore due process and the presumption of innocence and instead use kangaroo courts to assess sexual assault allegations on campus. Good luck to your sons. The country's K-12 schools, meanwhile, effectively will abandon classroom discipline. Schools that suspend students based on their behavior rather than according to a strict racial quota system will be punished for that. But you will have no choice but to keep your kids enrolled anyway, because Biden's campaign pledges to abolish all programs that provide parents vouchers or tax breaks to send their kids somewhere else. And then the Biden plan gets really ambitious. It would use the Federal Reserve to fix the, quote, racial wage gap. Central bankers will be encouraged to decide if you're being paid too much based on your skin color. Sounds like a great way to unite the country. One thing the Biden administration won't enforce is immigration law. The plan promises to end workplace immigration raids. That would mean corporations could bring in effectively unlimited amounts of low-wage illegal foreign labor. Good luck finding your son a job once he's bounced out of college by those kangaroo courts. You may think this all sounds too crazy to be real. Politicians, of course, make a lot of promises right before elections. And Biden would never actually do any of this because Democrats would be worried about losing the next election if they did. These are not popular programs. But the Biden people have thought this through, and their plan answers that question. It solves the problem. It includes citizenship and voting rights for all illegal immigrants currently living in this country. That's at least 22 million people. That means 22 million brand-new voters spread out across 50 states. The vast majority of them will faithfully vote for the Democratic Party. And by the way, that's not even including all the new illegal immigration we will doubtless get with reduced border controls. The Biden campaign also promises a moratorium on deportations. So there it is. That's the Biden plan. It's not really a blueprint to govern the country. It is a promise to utterly remake the country. And more to the point, never surrender control of it again. Now, once again, it's going to come across like you're uh, racist because you don't want Section 8 housing in your schools to be turned into fucking 16, 19 propaganda camps. But that's what they want to do. And it's the overrising thing that I've been saying for fucking five years on this podcast. Liberals, you know, there's a scene from fucking Hunt from Red Red October. Russians don't even take a dump without a plan. Well, liberals don't do anything for actually the demographics. They just want overall power. And to get overall power, they'll let everybody in the fucking world move here because they think they're going to vote for them. The whole Latina thing isn't really about Latinos. They don't give a flying fuck about Latinos. They just want their goddamn vote. So you get rid of the filibuster so that you just need basic majority. They know that's how the House and Senate will always be for whoever's going to win it whether it's Dem or Republican, they own the White House forever, and boom. They got the power they want. Republicans went out, uh, went against, went after the Supreme Court. That was their plan. Well, we, we own the Supreme Court. 
we at least have a buffer zone to be able to get the policies that we want to do for America, and they'll be constitutional because we'll have five conservatives. But then Roberts turns into being a fucking liberal, and they're batting 50-50. I mean, there was one this week that just made them all snap like fucking twigs because he said religious schools can have exemptions and things like that. I mean, one of the first things Biden said is those little nuns are going to start handing out fucking birth control. It's a culture war. Don't don't think it's not. You're going to hear a lot of podcast sound bites today of them blaming Trump for the culture war because they're really good at deflection. They'll project all day long. It's Trump talking about it. We're not doing a culture war. This is what America wants. They know only 18% of the country want to tear every fucking thing down and turn into us, turn us into Venezuela. But <clears throat> with the media that will just parrot anything, and Nancy Pelosi, who will do whatever the far left does so she can keep her power, they're not far-sighted people. They're very nearsighted. I said it before. If the mob said we had to cancel Christmas... We'd be a Christmasless fucking country as long as they can get them to vote for them in November. So, of course, the New York Times came out with six takeaways from the Biden-Sanders Joint Task Force proposal. <clears throat> Immigration, a focus of undoing Trump policies, which were Obama's policies. So, yeah, okay. A public option. They want to go singer single pair, which we all know, if you're in the military, won't work. The Green New Deal. Yeah, that's fucking fantastic. A ban on fracking. Specifically, critics of Biden plan to invest $1.7 trillion in order to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. Yeah. Education. Rethinking Obama area Priorities. K-12 education, the task force report, represented something of a shift away from the policy commits of the Obama era. Instead of emphasizing on standardized testing to drive accountability for teachers and students, the document talks about holistic tests of student skills and importance at schools. Because now that's racist to have standardized testing because those standards are set for white kids. Probably because we have more white kids, but that doesn't really get in the way of the agenda. We must just say that black people are stupid, I guess, because that's not racist. Black kids are unable to attain standards because they're stupid fucks. Les says that shit all the time and gets away with it. It's racist as fuck, but all their policies towards black are racist as fuck. They can't do anything, they can't get a leg up because of slavery 200-some-odd fucking years ago. I mean, that, that's the whole gist of what we're living right now. Immigration, undoing Trump policies, pretty much let everybody come. <clears throat> yeah. So they made a correction on it. An earlier version of this article misstated a policy position of Biden during the presidential primary. He supported the elimination of private pension prisons. It is not the case that he has not endorsed the policy. The article is described incorrectly an element of the Biden proposal for a public-run health insurance plan. Mr. Biden has said his public option plan will cover primary care visits without out-of-pocket spending by patients. That was not a new detail in his task force. So they are really concerned about putting out what he wants. But you can guarantee all petty crimes nationally, you won't have bail. Violent crimes. You want to have bail if you're black. 
It's already proven they just turn around and do more crimes, but that doesn't really fucking matter because justice is racist. That's how fucking stupid these fucking people are. Justice is racist. So having the same law for everybody is going to go away. Well, we don't have cops. So what came up right after this article broke? CNN insists Trump casting Biden as a radical leftist is a tough sell. It's a tough sell because he's got 700 years of being a moderate. Well, you can't be a moderate and put out policy proposals from a socialist and three terrorists, Omar Talib and AOC. Anybody that's paying attention knows where these policies came from. They didn't come from Biden. Hell, his tweets don't come from him. His speeches don't come from him. He hasn't had an original thought in 20 years. He just regurges whatever the base wants. And if that's not a reason to vote against them, I don't know what is. Because the net zero of having no way to protect yourself, period. Undoing the legal system, getting rid of cops, shoving Section 8 housing. White people in there, too, so that's not a racist comment. They're dolt. Tatiana McGrath that I started the show. Saying prisons are good is racist. I mean, everything's fucking racist now, so I don't really give a fuck what I say. But all this just basically says anarchy. We are going to turn the country into anarchy because we don't want to fuck around with the mob. The mob is bad. I'm scared of the mob, and I don't want those motherfuckers on my front porch. They can be on your porch, as we'll see. Nobody has a problem with that. But when they come on my porch, i got a fucking problem with it, and I'm going to fix that problem by letting them have whatever the fuck they want. So, in the Tucker column, he's been going after all these fucking douche nozzles. And he had a big problem with Tucker calling out Tammy Duckworth, who's a vet. And I'll talk about it on the other side. Senator, I know that you support changing the name of military bases named after Confederate leaders. But there are leaders like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, who were slave owners, and some people are demanding that their monuments come down, too. So, in your view, where does it end? Should statues, for example, of George Washington come down? Well, let me just say that we should start off by having a national dialogue on it um, at some point. But right now, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and our one of our uh, ally, uh, one of our um, uh, countries that are opposed to us, Russia, has put a bounty on American troops' heads. What really struck me about the speech that the president gave at Mount Rushmore was that he spent more time uh, worried about uh, honoring dead Confederates than he did talking about the lives of our America, the 130,000 Americans who lost their lives to COVID-19, or um, by warning Russia off of the bounty they're putting on Americans' heads. I mean, his, his priorities are all wrong here. He should be talking about what we're going to do to overcome this pandemic. What are we going to do to push Russia back? And instead, so, he had no time for that. He spent all his time talking about dead traitors. So that might be, be true, but George Washington, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would call him a traitor. And there are moves by some to remove uh, statues of him. Is that a good idea? 
I think we should listen to the, everybody. I think we should listen to to the argument there. But remember that the president at Mount Rushmore was standing on ground that was stolen from Native Americans. Fox News host Tucker Carlson is at it again, taking a page from President Trump's playbook, the same playbook used by right-wing media, questioning someone's patriotism, this time accusing Illinois Democratic Senator Tammy Duckworth of hating America. The senator is an Army vet who lost both legs while serving in Iraq. Here's Brian Stelter. It's long been considered out of bounds to question a person's patriotism. Yes, and for good reason. But Tucker Carlson keeps doing it. These people actually hate America. Prompting denunciations from Democrats, but cheers from his fans. This latest Fox controversy stems from an interview on CNN with Senator Tammy Duckworth last Sunday. There are leaders like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson who were slave owners, and some people are demanding that their monuments come down too. So in your view, where does it end? Should statues, for example, of George Washington come down? Well, let me just say that we should start off by having a national dialogue on it um, at some point. Then she pivoted and said America has much bigger issues right now, like coronavirus. But Carlson decided to pounce. Can you really lead a country that you hate? Duckworth, evidently stunned by the smear, tweeted a reference to her service in Iraq, where she lost both of her legs. Does Tucker Carlson, she said, want to walk a mile in my legs? And then tell me whether or not I love America? That was on Monday night. To morons like Tammy Duckworth. Carlson lashed out again on Tuesday. What a coward, a fraud. She has an obligation to explain herself and answer our questions. Shaming Duckworth for declining his interview request because, he said, she wanted him to apologize first. Carlson adheres to President Trump's Never Apologize playbook. And Trump has been parroting his egregious hating America accusations. We cannot let them run this nation because they hate it. The other day, Trump shared Carlson's commentary. And the two men are known to speak in private, too. Hating America is a major theme in the Democratic Party right now. It's everywhere. Turn on the TV. And Trump does. Millions of people watch this every night, watch this toxicity. He and Trump are aligned. They are stoking this divide. You know, what Tucker does, Don, is he says he's the victim. He's the victim of people who are trying to stomp out his free speech. But the real victims are all of us. Whenever you get into this nasty debate about hating America, it should be beneath any cable news host. Mm -hmm. Brian Stelter, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Brian. Yes, let's... Take a moment. Let's take more than a moment to digest this. Let's not let this story just breeze by like everything else in the news cycle these days. The U.S. president possibly working for the Russians, possibly an unwitting pawn, something the FBI was investigating. Why are these leaks happening? And why are they happening now? What does Robert Mueller know? The hypocrisy on the left knows no fucking pounds. Most current war vets like myself were considered domestic terrorists white supremacists really unnerved fucking moon bats you shouldn't trust but one of theirs national guardman that got a helicopter crash and lost her legs after fox host questions her patriotism senator lost legs a war hits back see how that gets in there you know fucking crenshaw is a fucking Nazi 
to these same people. He lost an eye, but I guess legs trump eyes. I don't fucking know where you come up with this shit in your mouth and think that you don't look like a goddamn hypocrite. So the New York Times said that it was a nativist smear. So it was targeted with a nativist smear for the second night in a row on Fox's Tucker Carlson. Historical racism and equities, adopting language used for century by those aiming to restrict the country to people of northern and western European ancestries. So not only did they hit that he can't criticize her because she is a vet, you can't criticize her because she's a minority. It goes back to when everything's racist, it's racist. And it has nothing to do with racism. It just has to do with we don't want to hear your voice. And there are no opposition views. Just shut your fucking mouth and do what we fucking tell you to do. It's kind of like these two Karens, which this is a viral video. I love this guy. If two bitches did this to me, I would tell them to go fuck themselves. He was a lot nicer than I was. You take a picture of me. Does that make you feel better? Why don't you get a life, lady? Dude, I have a life. No, and they're going around taking pictures of yes, people? Yes, because what I you're doing, so can you not follow you? the lines on keep, the floor? Keep your mouth running. The governor, the, the mayor is asking us all no, to wear a mask. And look at you, not wearing a mask. Oh, dear. I Lord. wear a mask you to protect myself. It's so fucking political. It's unbelievable. Now, you have accosted me in this store. You it's not a law that I got to wear a mask. Not wearing a mask. And if you're going to keep this up, maybe we'll get the police department hey, in Mom, here. Hey, Mom, would you call 911 then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, another one. You people are like monkeys falling out of a tree. No, you're the monkey that hasn't. Hey, I'll tell dragging you dragging those knuckles you that you've not evolved. Okay, how's that grab you? Ever heard you of Darwinism? Evolution? Evolve, mister. Why don't you burn something down? Why don't you go back to where you were? Yeah. Need to evolve burn burn a monument down or something. You know? You must be the one who's... Are you burning crosses? Are you burning crosses? People are fucking idiots, man. No, you're the idiot. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're the one playing your life on a freaking computer. You have no life. So this is what your life is? I'm doing my shopping. Unbelievable. You're unbelievable. Good luck with the virus. Good luck with the virus. Your whole family tree is getting cut off at its roots. That's fine. I really don't care because see, I don't live my life on the computer. My friends, I know my friends. They're in a phone number in my phone. You know? You know what? So are mine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the way you people act, you've got no friends because of the way you act. (laughs) No, we like to show people around my friends how people act at Walmart. Keep running your mouth, smartass. Yeah. I'd rather be a smart ass yeah. than a dumb one like you. It's an astounding phenomenon. If you really break it down, it's astounding how the two sides have swapped. They really have. Back in my childhood, it was religious right, telling everybody how to fucking live, calling everybody a bunch of goddamn unethical fucking, you know, freaking horrible people. And now it's the left, and the right is more libertarian. I don't give a fuck what you do. If you don't wear your goddamn mask, don't wear the goddamn mask. I just won't invite you over for dinner. Because I don't want to get the COVID, or the next one, or whatever the fuck they got now. Some kind of flu. 
But you see this more often than not from the left just coming out and telling people how to fucking live. And it's pretty scary when it's sponsored by CNN. We're going to have anti-religion BLM going to churches and harassing Catholics. Now, mind you, three Catholic churches have been burned down. A dude drove a van into a church yesterday with a IED and blew it the fuck up. There was no coverage I could find. It was just a report. Dude blows up church. Sets on fire. Which makes me think he was a lefty. But I'll research. I actually haven't looked it up this morning. So as we're playing the soundbite, I'll research it. Don Lemon, fuck Jesus. And then I'll just play the violence back to back. And we'll do a quick music break. Which, what was our music break today? I don't even know. What was our music break? Uh, oh, I'm going to play Band on YouTube. Goes with it well. I hope there's sound to it. If not, the entire... Well, let me see. Let's play this thing really quick. We're informal today. Do I hear the ass whooping? I don't know if you do or not. Over the past few weeks, is, and is it doing something? You have to be an agent of change, and if you're not being really were an occupying force. Being a Jew. Yeah, we're going to play this, because it's really cool. Now, understand the entire time you're hearing this, it is white people being beat by black people. It was banned on YouTube. They banned the shit, because a conservative tweeted it. So these people put it on their web, they formed a website, and... They put it out there anyway. So here is fucking religious people. Uh, Calvin the Martyr Blackout Day. ABC Stoking Racial Tensions. Mega Attack was arrested. And a whites declare war on whites. Followed by our music break. Banned on YouTube. White people getting the beat down. And when you come in on the other side, it'll be our CNN clip for the day. Thrilled. Well, we'll talk about it. Because you'll probably, by the time you get there 20 minutes from now, you'll... I'll, I'll even forget what the fuck the soundbite really was. in the discussion but here's the thing jesus christ if you believe in if you if that's who you believe in jesus christ admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth so why are we deifying the founders of this country many of whom owned slaves and in the constitution the original one they didn't want uh they, they put slavery in there that that slavery uh, should should be abolished because it was the way the king wanted and then the the congress said no way 
As many as 125,000 women could lose contraceptive coverage from their employer-sponsored health insurance after a Supreme Court ruling today. The 7-2 majority included Chief Justice John Roberts, who we just learned suffered an injury last month. Roberts has played a dominant role this term, siding with his liberal colleagues on landmark decisions involving immigration, abortion rights, and LGBTQ protections. Wednesday, he was back voting with conservatives in two religion cases, citing with the Trump administration to allow employers with religious or moral objections to opt out of providing free contraceptive coverage under the Affordable Care Act. The major ruling from the Supreme Court today, the court siding with President Trump, allowing employers to opt out of the Obamacare mandate of providing contraceptive coverage if those employers have religious or moral objections. So let's get right to Terry Moran, who's covered the court for years for us. And Terry, this was a big win for religious conservatives and the president. A huge win, David. The court upholding uh, the Trump administration's change to those Obamacare regulations, which required employers to provide insurance that would cover contraception services for women. The new Trump regulations allow employers who have religious or, as you say, just moral uh, objections to providing that kind of coverage to opt out. The impact is immediate. The government estimates between 70,000 and 126,000 women will lose their contraception coverage under this ruling. Hey, what's going on, y'all? I'm, I'm not going to be on here too long. I just, uh, I'm just raw, excuse me, just in my element. Like, this is something I've been wrestling with since last night. Just figuring out, like in the words of Dr. King, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Where, where do we go after countless decades and centuries of oppression? of being killed, of being lynched, of being burned alive, of seeing our mothers and our daughters raped, of seeing our men killed, our men emasculated in front of the mothers and the children to put fear in them, years of being beaten, legislation passed, persecuted just for how we look. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? How long will we keep marching on the streets? How long will we keep sharing the photos and the hashtags? And, and, and we have NAACP. They, they, they put out these, these weak calls to action. We got Jesse Jackson and we got Al Sharpton. We have all these pseudo leaders who, who get up and say things. When will we actually formulate together and like our ancestors did? When will we capture the power like in like in, in, in Montgomery, Alabama, when not one single black person drove or rode a bus? If you were black, you were walking or you were carpooling with somebody else black. They created the first Uber system. And they said, we won't ride the bus till we get equality. The only way as a people that we will get any change is if we unite solidarity. With the dollar, I guarantee you, if for one day, if for one day in America, not one black person spent a dollar, not online, not on Amazon, no fast food places, no restaurants, no stores, if for one day, July 7, 2020, we got 60 days, today, right now, 
Today, right now, marks 60 days exactly that we have for you guys to spread this message. Share it, please. Comment, share it, like it, share it, share it, share it to anybody. Send it in the messages, send it in the DMs for 60 days. If we share this message, share it on Instagram, share it on YouTube, share it on Facebook. If we get enough black people, all black people, if we can unite like they did in Montgomery, Alabama, where not one single black person rode a bus. That right there is what caused the civil rights legislation to come because they touched them pockets. Because they said, we're not spending our money in your system no more until we get changed. If we could do it for one day. It would shut the whole system down. Not one black person spent a dollar. I guarantee you will get changed. Because the only way we're going to get changed is when they fear hurting us like we fear hurting them. We've been programmed so much, we not dare say nothing against a white person or do some harm to against a white person. We up at work trying to suck and job and not be looked at as the angry black man or the angry black woman. We up at work tiptoeing around. We don't want to say nothing disrespectful. And when they fear hurting us, let me get off this. Let me get off this Wi-Fi. When they fear hurting us, like we fear hurting them, that's the only way we'll get changed. And the way we'll get changed like that is if we unite with the dollar. And then we got to have such unity that if one black person, we got to be able to say, if right now in Killeen, Texas, we get a call that a black man is being persecuted, everybody pull up. Leave your job. Leave wherever you at. Because if they, they can't fire all of us. Because we're all united. If they fire all the black people, guess what? All the black people, we're going to get together and figure out how we're going to get this money. Try it. Like you got, we got to put a call to action in every city that if one black person, one black woman, everybody put a call. Anybody that's right now, pull up. I guarantee you they won't mess with one black man if they know in a matter of five minutes, a hundred is pulling up to the location. Every time. When we gonna have real action like that, we can march all we want, we can write all we want, we can hashtag all we want, but we gotta get together. July 7, 2020, blackout day. Now one black dollar will be spent in the economy. And then we'll see what happens after that. Cause once we can do it for one day, oh, keep playing with us. Keep playing with us. I'm in Colleen, Texas. If you see this message and you are in Colleen, Texas, I want to invite you to comment, message me your phone number, your email, whatever, so we can have a, 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 a blackout call. We can have a blackout call. We can start a, a group, whatever. We can have it. There's too many apps. We got WhatsApp. We got GroupMe. All the men in Colleen, Texas, comment right here, your phone number, or send me a message. We're going to start a blackout message group. We're going to get all the men in Killeen, Texas, all the black men in Killeen, Texas comment. And if we hear on the line, if we hear anything's going down, any foolery, any tomfoolery, we got to get back to like moving how the Panthers used to move. We pulling up. We're going to police the police. That's all right as citizens. We're going to police the police. And we're going to police our own hoods. Mess with one of us. We pulling up. Blackout day, July 7, 2020. 
Please share this message. It needs to go global. Imagine if the, the whole imagine if we got this to go around the whole world for one day. Not one person, not one black person in the whole world spent a dollar. Do you know how, how that would touch just one day? Black people in America, we spend one trillion dollars in this economy every year. One trillion dollars. We are a nation of people within this nation. We keep it going. It was built on the backs of our ancestors, on the backs of our, our sweat and blood and tears. And it's still being built on our backs. They don't care about us. Blackout Day, July 7, 2020. For some, the Confederate battle flag represents Southern heritage. Why are you wearing that jacket? Well, I'm, I'm from the South, born and raised. But for many others, it's a painful reminder of slavery and segregation. You shouldn't be wearing that in public. If you're caught in the middle of this debate... I'm just honoring my ancestors. What would you do? And all I'm asking is maybe you could just, like, take your jacket off. And immediately we see some of that division as more Southerners defend Phil's Confederate pride. Do you know what it means to black folks, though? I mean, but do you know what that means to black folks, though? I don't want to... You're bringing the black thing up. We're having dinner in a public restaurant. Let it be. It's just that that Confederate flag represents such awful uh, things to black folks in this country. Right. Racism, segregation, slavery. But it's history, so we shouldn't be tearing down statues and all this stuff. We've learned so we don't repeat the history. I think that's a bottom line. Why are you wearing that jacket? It's just honoring my ancestors. You know, that's all it is. This next shopper isn't even in line with our actors. <laughs> right? You're not supposed to wear that, right? But he takes a moment to give his opinion. Take it off, man. Take that flag off, man. You understand the history behind that flag? I do. That does not matter right now. People got to learn to just get over it already. It's every day we hear it now. Y'all don't hear it. Y'all don't hear nothing about y'all. Y'all always hear something about us black. Don't do it. Everybody brings it up all of a sudden. I was never raised. reasons I will no longer be saying Black Lives Matter in response to All Lives Matter. Instead, I'm just going to say these hands matter and then rock your shit. Little reasons I will no longer be saying Black Lives Matter in response to All Lives Matter. Instead, I'm just going to say these hands matter and then rock your shit. Due to personal reasons, I will no longer be saying Black Lives Matter in response to All Lives Matter. Instead, I'm just going to say these hands matter and then rock your shit. 
with Grieve Together as the Black community has endured more senseless acts of racial terror and violence. At YouTube, we believe Black Lives Matter, and we all need to do more to dismantle systemic racism. We're committed to doing better as a platform to center and amplify Black voices and perspectives. Obviously, the African-American community uh, has suffered from racism for a very, very long period of time. And I cannot imagine that that has not contributed to the conditions that they find themselves in. I'm embarrassed that it's taken me 25 years to realize this. It is not enough to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. If you're white, if you look like me, use your privilege. And for those who do not think white privilege exists, you are delusional and you are part of the problem. Because of the answer to the question, do racism and white supremacy exist, is yes then the real question isn't who is or isn't a racist, but who is and isn't doing something about it. It's perfectly normal to feel a little bit guilty talking about privilege, but if it helps, having privilege isn't your fault. It's something you inherited, not something you did wrong. What privilege does mean, specifically white privilege, is that your skin color didn't make your life more challenging. And having that privilege means that you don't have to deal with things like being racially profiled or getting unfairly turned down for a mortgage loan because of your skin color or being a minority at your workplace. So you have to explain privilege to people you work with. Over the years, black Americans have faced the most frequent incidents of hate crimes. Directly tied to the rise in white supremacy, he said those two are aligned and he wants to take both of them extremely seriously. He 
said that this is a time where you have to make a choice. And you heard that in his sound just there. You can't, it's not enough to just say you're not a racist. You have to be anti-racism. He said it's time for you, you have to be an agent of change. And if you're not being an agent of change, then you're part of the problem. Privilege isn't just like, you know, I had the impression that privilege was one-dimensional. Like you're poured into the Rockefeller family. Like I didn't think being a girl from New Jersey with a father who was a used car dealer and we didn't have a lot of money was privileged. Like I didn't understand that. And I think that's the disconnect that a lot of white people are seeing now that it doesn't mean that your life didn't have problems. It means that your life didn't have the problems that people of color encounter every single day. And I think the primary challenge is we have to really look at white racism, white violence. And why is it that black bodies have continually been disposable in our democracy? We are overwhelmed with grief and rage by the onslaught of this coordinated violence on communities of color by white men and a system rooted in white supremacy. There's a separate important issue which is that we as a society have got to examine the racism that exists in all walks of life in our country in 2020. Not just in policing, not just in the criminal justice system, in education, when it comes to who are, the great, who are more likely victims of crime, the fact that when it comes to media, when it comes to our boardrooms, when it comes to politics, when it comes to our cabinet, there are too few black people in there. You have to say, where is revolution going to occur? Where is it going to come from? It's not going to come from white people in Europe, in America. It's not. It's going to come from the oppressed. And so we should be doing all that we can to support the oppressed, to foment this revolution if that's what we want. That's what I'd say. Suppose that's where some sort of global alliance of information and support could take place, that you could have, yeah, an internationalist solution if, the, if there was, if the, the, where the support went, where the focus went was to the, to the most exploited, and, and that, I mean that not in a national sense, but in an international. And the task is to bring this minority together in such a way that it makes it impossible for the legacy of whiteness to continue to reproduce itself. You recognize that we really are, or you really were, an occupying force in just a, a community that's trying to get by, just a bunch of people that are just like you or I, but their circumstances were unfortunate. They were born into this this situation where this this cycle is perpetuated over and over and over again, and you got a chance to see it. All right, let's not fool ourselves. We won all won the lottery here by being born in America. Mm -hmm. We all won the lottery by being white. I don't care if the, if the United States is 80% brown in 30 years, as long as they're pro-gun, pro-family, want to go to the stars, want to have freedom, and don't want to be slaves. And we need to get past what color we are and adopt the system of ideas. This is probably going to be the, and I'm saying this at this table, the most pro-black president that we've had in our lifetime. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. These sinister ideologies must be defeated. Hate has no place in America. We are now and will forever be one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. Whiteness is not a culture. It's not a religion. It's not a language. It's simply an oppressive social category. 
And I just started to think about all the privilege I benefited from in this industry specifically, being a Jew is a bonus. I started to feel really gross about myself. So on a very fundamental level, I wanted to examine it further. And Netflix is great because they're just like, yeah, go, you know. I'm like, let's start with my own white privilege. I mean, I've just been badly behaved for 20 years and getting tons of money thrown at me for being a loudmouth. Our segment is entitled, How to Find a Nazi. White people. I have white privilege. There, I said it. I said it. There can be no white race. Yeah, I can handle that. And this is what you see when you're seeing looting. You see a lot of these fucking young white kids that have probably not a political thought in their fucking dopey heads. And they're just running in to get free Nikes. And that's really what's going on. Yeah. I've watched about a hundred videos of people looting. I might have seen four black people. <laughs> it's all these white kids stealing sneakers. There can be no white race. President Trump just hates this. New York City painting the words Black Lives Matter in giant yellow letters on Fifth Avenue right in front of Trump Tower. I want to discuss now with political analyst Jared Yates Sexton, the author of American Rule, and Aisha Seku, CEO and founder of Street Corner Resources. Her organization helped in painting the mural. Good evening to both of you. I'm so glad that you're on. Well, isn't it something that the President of the United States takes it as a personal insult, the idea that black lives matter? And I mean, that's really what Trumpism boils down to, right? It's the idea of a, a mythology of America where uh, black lives are disposable and white supremacy is always brimming right underneath the surface. I think these murals and these signs and these monuments are symbols of, of change that is uh, slowly deconstructing a systemically racist white supremacist system. If they're going to put someone on Mount Rushmore, considering the history of this country, the first black president should be front and center. Add to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Look, I think that that's a, first of all, I think it's a more saleable idea than the idea of taking away founding fathers. What we do have to do in this country is everybody, you're doing it beautifully and brilliantly yourself. Of course, I'm biased and I love you, but... You're using your platform. You've made a choice. You may not be winning yourself a lot of fans, but you're going to say what you think is true from your experience, hard-minted for many years in this business and in this country. Did you know that George Washington was not only a slave owner, but one who believed that he was worthy of the very teeth that were in his slaves' mouths? Is that someone who you want to commemorate on the dollar bill, with a statue, with a holiday, and on Mount Rushmore? Yes, right. is, is going to be what you get from 85% of Americans. Because they're going to say and, and we, what he did was wrong, but he was also the father of the country. And you have to see your history in the context of where the people were then. They were highly imperfect. Uh, this is an experiment. But if you hold everybody to that kind of standard, you'll have nobody. And then I don't think you'll have any buy-in on something that is, as we all, as we both know very well, the minority of this country cannot change what's wrong by itself. You need the majority to buy in. That's a big obstacle uh, to getting, and, you know, white Americans, but non-white Americans also to say we got to remake all our heroes in America. 
But I do, I do believe that should be the charge. I do believe that if right now we're in um, a society that has just, for example, talking about R. Kelly, right? R. Kelly has been canceled, right? Given this new term that exists on social media because of his predatory relationship with underage women. Rightfully so. You know who else had a predatory relationship with underage women? Thomas Jefferson. I give you Sally Hemings and Thomas Jefferson. Exactly. And so the question is, should we be celebrating and commemorating people who were that treacherous to whole groups of humans in this country? And I would argue no. So if 41 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence can talk about these truths that they hold as self-evident and self-evident and then go to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, oh, 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 but there's a large footnote. I wasn't considered human to them. So much so that a Dred Scott decision said so. So much so that we had to wait several years after the Declaration of Independence for the Emancipation Proclamation to even be signed. And I think that we have to have those types of grounding conversations. And Chris, maybe it is that people will say, you know, they're still my founding fathers. That alone, the patriarchal sentiment that exists in that, I think also has to be reframed. Why aren't there any black women heroes on Mount Rushmore? We can't even get Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill after it being agreed to in the Obama administration. We're not talking about the indigenous people who land was stolen from right from beneath their feet. Sitting bulls should be on Mount Rushmore. Christmas Addicts, who was fighting in the American Revolution before he was even deemed human, should be on Mount Rushmore. Frederick Douglass, who really shaped the way Abraham Lincoln thought about... The line was, these are great presidents. And... Well, no. and, and I think, yeah, I hear you. I think what I would say is there maybe they were great presidents to someone, but who we really should be commemorating are the people behind the great the great presidents, the people who pushed them to their limits, the people who had them reframe their thinking. That is what I believe this is about. And the truth of the matter is this country is built on a lot that's not good. And we're in this time that is allowing us to reset and really think about what is right what is true, and how we should go forward. There's so much that we were taught in history books that is not accurate, right? And I don't think that we should hold up heroes or deem them heroes because it makes us feel better. That I think is not that, honest. I think that where you wind up is, as long as we don't let ourselves be consumed with this conversation, you're right, we have to have the right operating premise. Um, but, you know, changing who's on Mount Rushmore will help uh, in some way. I think you'd have to add. I think if you do addition by subtraction, uh, I think you're going to have problems. But I think if you add to our understanding of our collective history and who was positive and who wasn't and change your education, make it more fulsome, make it more honest and transparent about people, flaws and all, that's a good sign. Let me ask you about the uh, movement for black lives. As you know, over the last day, they have released a a really sweeping proposal, proposed legislative changes on a on a national level uh, to policing reform in America. I'm going to list some of them. This is not all of them, but these are some of the key things they're pushing to abolish the DEA and ICE ban the use of facial recognition technologies, which you know can have bias built into them, abolish mandatory minimum sentences and life sentences, close federal prisons and immigration detention centers, and also establish a commission to study reparations. Uh, I know there's a lot there, but looking at it, I wonder, yeah. given your position and what your city is going through right now, if there are elements of it that you agree with. 
Well, there's no question we need significant reform. Uh, the reparations you mentioned, one of the first things I did as the president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors was to pass a resolution uh, supporting con Congress's commission to study and prepare or develop a reparations proposals for African America. Because, Poppy, what's at the root of so much of this is poverty, right? And mm -hmm. poverty that's been with black Americans for over 400 years right now. Mm -hmm. So that really is the issue where we need reparations. We need to go from a minimum wage to a living wage. If you eliminate poverty or vastly eliminate most of it, much of the crime in our country will go away. But you're supportive, it sounds like, of reparations. Well, we've, yes, we passed a resolution as the Conference of Mayors. It was my first act to do so. The, the wealth gap between black Americans and white Americans cannot be explained away. Average white family has ten times the wealth of a black family. Yep, Those roots are in history. Mm -hmm. All the way through redlining and, and through today, and that needs to be addressed. You're completely right. It does. Mayor, I appreciate your time very much this morning. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Lexi, you know, it strikes me that the president's answer to 130,000 dead Americans is statues. His answer to 10% unemployment, statues. His answer to questions about racial injustice, statues. Um, I can see a pattern emerging here country alone, but the statue's point of this is important to your point because it's another example of the president's love of inciting and capitalizing on culture war. Um, what is interesting is that the president knows that his base is really fired up by these culture wars, and he calls himself a wartime president in relation to the coronavirus, but now we're really seeing how the president views himself as a wartime president as it relates to these culture wars. Mm. Um, the, the problem with the strategy, though, is um, when you don't have a great record, you make it about the other guy. And Donald Trump is incapable of making it about the other guy. He has to make it about himself. So they've got a, a little bit of a self-defeating strategy going on there. And, you know, it's, it's, you, you never know, but it's, I don't see this working. I mean, one thing we know to be true, the numbers do not lie. If you look at polling time and time again in the last few weeks alone, but even in the last few days, if the presidential election were held today, Joe Biden would win by a 10-point advantage. And that is not, you know, a coincidence, given what's happening with the coronavirus. We've seen how President Trump's standing with seniors, especially those 65 and older, has declined significantly since the coronavirus pandemic started. But we've also seen how Americans are sort of revealing that they don't really like these intangible qualities about the president. They don't like personality traits. They feel fearful or angry when they're thinking about the next couple of months, they say in polling, leading up to the election. And they trust Joe Biden not just to unite the country, but to handle the coronavirus in ways that they're signaling in polling they just don't trust President Trump to do. That's an amazing montage of fucking ass beatings that our media just completely fucking ignore. While two hosts of CNN, fuck you, Jesus. Fuck anybody who believes in Jesus. And one of them was a Catholic. The last soundbite you heard was thrilled about a BLM mural. They call them now road paintings. You know, road paintings are murals. And this one was in front of Trump Tower, um, which we'll get to in a second. Fix Rushmore with Obama. Jefferson's a pedo. CNN for reparations and blame Trump for the culture war. Yeah, they did that. And as I researched it, the guy blew up the thing, and I find the new video about the Trump Tower uh, mural. Here's CNN on crime. I mean, we're doing a nice little roundup tonight, or this morning. Lemon and Cuomo, I mean, it's hard 
to listen to this shit. And when is painting over somebody painting on a road a hate crime? The number of homicides are spiking. Look at the data. New York, Chicago, Louisville, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Denver, Miami. And the White House says it cares. I didn't receive one question about New York City shootings doubling for the third straight week and over the last seven days shootings skyrocket by 142%. Not one question. We need to be focused on securing our streets, making sure no lives are lost. Now they have offered no way to do those things. So why do they care? Well, they care if they can blame it on their opponents. But let's see how, Ms. I won't lie to you, and the rest of Team Trump feel after we drop some truth on their roof. The increases started in June. You say, hey, wasn't that about the same time as the protests? All those calls to defund the police? That's got to be the reason. See, you turn on the cops and the criminals run wild. That's why she wants questions about it, to say that, right? But what else started in June? Well, states started lifting stay-at-home orders then, didn't they? Well, you don't know that that's what it was. Okay, then why in April and May, when businesses were closed and we were all forced to stay home, were homicides down? Also, homicide rates, as you may know, almost always spike in summer. Why? Kids are out of school. More people are out in general and in contact with each other, so more chance for beefs, good and bad. Add it to a seasonal increase in drug consumption, and you get more of us at our worst. Let me bring in my man, D. Lemon. We're both observing what's happening in this country, exposing what's wrong, trying to shine light on what's right. In California, this is just wrong. Yeah. Contra Costa County District Attorney's Office has charged two residents with three misdemeanor counts, including a hate crime. And here's why. You know, they got a permit to paint Black Lives Matter there. They got a permit. They did it legally. Yep. These people came in and painted over it yep. illegally. Mm-hmm. And why? Because they said there is no such thing as racism. It ended with the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah, and they said not in our town. Not This will not happen in my town, uh, they said. And, I, you know, I, I played this last night, and the, the thing that got me, Chris, was they were painting, painting over Black Lives Matter letters black in paint. black, <laughs> <laughs> which you would still be able to see because they were painting over the black letters. So they were actually, in a weird way, helping with the art there, Black Lives Matter, black paint. But listen, there are cameras now. People can't get a, get away with these things. They had to know that they would get caught, or maybe they didn't think. Uh, the guy's wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Uh, he's screaming, um, those sorts of things about, I think it's like make America great again or something uh, of that nature. Um, and this is where we are in this country right now. People think that they can get away and do this stuff and that it is similar to the conversation that you were having, um, with Angela, I guess it's related. Um, our country, not your country. This is my country, my town, my city. And there are certain people who don't belong or at least what you think that is right. You want to fight for criminal justice. You want Black Lives Matter. You want to be able to have a sign that you put on the street. You can't do that because it's my town. And look, you know, genius doesn't always have morality attached to it. <laughs> Often it doesn't. And it all fits together, D. Uh, the lies about the pandemic, the lies uh, about, you know, what this president will make happen, the lies of those around him as an echo of support, the lies about 
uh, what Black Lives Matter is about. It's all about creating division. Yeah. And making, you know, in a country that is well over 70 percent white, if this happens, it is bad for you. They literally say it on state TV. It's coming for you next. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you you see the, the right wing machine kick in, media machine kick in when you see Trump's um, poll numbers go south. They kick in with a, a no Demo- position on the Confederate flag. Yeah. Democratic cities are in chaos right now. Is this what you want from Joe Biden? And they're going to take your country away and they're taking down the statues and crime is rising crime is as rising. they defund police. Oh, my gosh. It's so bad. And they get defunding police. It's like and the people who you saw there, for the most part, not, not them specifically, I'm talking about as a whole. Fall for it. They fall for it. And that's why they do things like what they did. They want to paint over signs and they think it's our country. This is the country that we built, even though a rich diversity of people helped to build this country. And many of us, meaning our ancestors, for free, did not get paid for it, could not get an education, could not build wealth, or not on statues. Confederate or otherwise, or not on Mount Rushmore. I, I think. Listen, <laughs> this is gonna, people are going to get pick this up. If they're going to put someone on Mount Rushmore, considering the history of this country, the first black president should be front and center. Add to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Look, I think that that's a, first of all. I think it's a more saleable idea than the idea of taking away founding fathers. You know, and again. All of this is uh, fodder for debate and discussion. you got to have the talk. You just can't hate people from having ideas you don't like. You know, that's the only mistake we can make. And, you know, a lot of this, uh, I was talking with my kids about this. And we were talking about slavery. And I was saying, we did this, we did that, we did this. And I was saying, now, listen, you know, as you're getting context for this, Cuomo's have only been here a couple of generations. But you have to understand, we own the history of this place. Because now you are charged with, what do you do here? What are you about? How do you collaborate in the creation here? Whether it's the pandemic or whether it's the virus of racism, what we do have to do in this country is everybody, you're doing it beautifully and brilliantly yourself. Of course, I'm biased and I love you, but you're using your platform. You've made a choice. You may not be winning yourself a lot of fans, but you're going to say what you think is true from your experience, hard minted for many years in this business and in this country. Everybody's got to make a choice about what they're going to do right now. It's a famous song from Rush. Even if you choose not to decide, you've still made a choice. And that's where this president is with the Confederacy. All right, preach there, Cuomo. Listen, I have to say it's, um, you know, many times I do this because I am not just speaking for myself, but I'm speaking for other people. And I think it's important to give people, as I've said before, we have to cut people a break in this time. People are vulnerable. You know, we've got the coronavirus. They're sitting at home. Some people don't know where their next meal's coming from. They had a tough time with their jobs and on and on. But you can't let people off the hook. So it's tough for many people's ears to hear some, you say, well, we have to add. We can't change. We can't take it down. When Native Americans would say, well, that didn't happen when it came to us. True. And so what's wrong? What's wrong with all of us? together thinking or reshaping our country so that more people rethinking our country and the way we think and where our priorities are so that this country is 
belongs to everyone. It's not Nothing's just, wrong with it's it. It's not just my country. Right. Maybe some of the people, maybe some of the people, I'm not saying that they should, but maybe some of the people up there on Mount Rushmore, who knows? It wasn't Mount Rushmore. If you, you know, the name shouldn't be Mount Rushmore if you talk to Native Americans. Right. They say it is stolen land. It was only Mount Rushmore 40 years before they started to carve presidents' faces in it. And, and no one got any money for that. And the person who was behind that was one of the founding fathers or right. was a president. Was a president. Was a president. And I, so. I, I think that you're totally right. I think the premise is where we're going to have to work towards, which is if we all decide. It's about consensus and collective consciousness. And if you get the to a point... The majority of people aren't always on the right side, though. I mean, look at the civil rights movement. That, that's so... Just because... Of, right, but you got to that point where yeah. you got a majority of the country because otherwise you wouldn't have had the legislation. You know, you, you have to get to a point where the country... under Look, Plessy v. Ferguson, separate but equal. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people thought that was Supreme Court law of the land. People thought that was the end of the discussion. Yeah. Fine, you got equal rights here. We're equal. But we're separate, which was an extension of Lincoln's philosophy, by the way. Then you had Brown versus the Board of Education. Yeah. And it was a whole rebirth of cultural awareness. Mm. We need collective conscience. The key has to be the we. And we need education. I really do think we need education. I think, and, and I think people need to learn about the founding fathers. As I say, they were not perfect. Doesn't mean that True. they didn't do great things. I don't like to deify anyone, right? But um, they were not perfect. Lincoln wasn't perfect. Some, you know, people think that Lincoln just said, hey, listen, we're going to free these people, and that he was always on the right side. Right. No, he wasn't. There, there was were people a lot who of wanted to expatriate um, uh, black people or, or Africans mm -hmm. and send them to uh, colonize them, send them somewhere else. Right? Uh, uh, so, listen, you are dead right. I yeah. was blessed uh, with having a father who was a Lincoln scholar. Yeah. And he was piping this stuff into my head <laughs> since I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, the best thing that ever come out of your pie hole was when you said early on in this, if you have a black friend, talk to them. If yeah. you don't have one, find, find one. one. If you're a black person, find one. That is the key. Because yeah. when people start to hear about different people's experiences, things start to change in your own experience, in your own perspective. Yeah. That's where we got to get to. That's all. It's all about creating division. Yeah. And making, you know, in a country that is well over 70 percent white, if this happens, it is bad for you. They literally say it on state TV. It's coming for you next. Oh, yeah. Well, so you, you see the, the right wing machine kick in, media machine kick in when you see Trump's um, poll numbers go south. They kick in with a... a, a no Demo position on the Confederate flag. Yeah, Democratic... They really are the teenager in the room. Right now, is this what you want Because Joe Biden they, and they're going to... They ignore the rules they don't agree with, statues. but then they go the crazy when you, you do it. Like when you're in a state and you decide you want to make sure that people can't live birth abortion. They lose their shit. The people you saw there... For the most part... I mean, that Supreme Court case about abortion, once again, was just about... Fall for it. They it's got to be a medical a facility, they they and you have to have admitting country. privileges at this a local hospital in case something goes wrong. Medical no shit, science, yo, science. To build this country, and yeah, and we, it was done to stop people from getting abortions for free. Because they put these things up in a warehouse. I mean, they don't give a fuck. They'll abort that motherfucker. As of this morning, we have no update on what the reason was. It is being 
and they take Once it again, to the it's Supreme not a hate court. crime to attach a Kids in cages, church. deportations. No, Catholic Obama fucking. was the deportation president. So they're not attaching a hate crime. They are Trump looking at it as an act of terrorism. We have a major fucking problem. But I got to admit, I don't want to say it was, but I, I just got to admit, the silence Doing says the more than Obama we... Did. No. I mean, our really media think is so about complicit, it. they the never... silence says everything. AO, uh, yeah, that's... But there's nothing. The mainstream media and while all this is going on... And there's been three one Catholic article, churches burned. Every department, New York mob. PD officers applying for retirement, but we they're have forcing people nothing. to slow their applications. And when gonna, is painting once many. again a painting on a road? We have multiple in our woke. There's one about a, a pride one. Picture of there's a been three or four BLM ones long, painted long on there. Somebody He's got a total burned their tires on it. We shoot. Racists, and they're he got fired from his job for because you deface somebody's shirt. We shoot. I mean, that's all it is. You're taking a road, and then he got butt hurt. But we're gonna call it a hate crime, really. But all of them, man. That's what we're going with. Most is like what we've been saying for like. I mean, if that's the case, I'm gonna go and put all lives matter down a hill. Fat lives matter. I guarantee when a motherfucker comes out with some black paint. Nobody's going to give I mean, two fucks because they're going to say, why the fuck did you paint go into wokeness? That's what they're going to say to me. I'm going to play, and I had it for the end. I mean, this shit is fucking insane. A lady at Target. But when the media I runs it, she got everybody fired. goes with it. And it's just, just not seeing that. I'm beating on them. I want sound bites, but I wanted to get them up front and, and cover stuff. Here's Maddo. Her low ratings okay. are so bad right now. And then you'll hear our She rails about Trump. Um, we need to take a class from some freak outs about the Supreme Court last week Todd, religious trying ones. to cancel a WNBA and mo Trump for fucking wrong think. Kids. Are you the manager? That's what he did on the That's border because all of a sudden they remember there's a border. What did you say? And again, there's man? kids in cages. You said the fuck most Trump. damage they have done to our country and to the American Thank experiment. You. Lots of competition. Turn it up. Turn there's it up. the one. Here's the one where if you are a person who believes in hell. You have to think this is the one for which multiple Trump administration officials are most likely to spend eternity in cosmic penance and damage. This is the one that will be in the first paragraph of the obituaries of many different people in this administration, no matter how long they live and no matter what else they do with their lives. Because they will never do anything else as morally consequential as what they did here. This is one thing that will never Activist slide Kimberly off Jones of our is getting nationwide support for her powerful video that compares and the economic plight we, we of black Americans to a first found out the specifics of a rigged game of Monopoly. On the front page of the New York Times, on April 21st, on YouTube has been viewed more than 2 million times, and it's also been shared by a number of celebrities from LeBron James to Madonna. Our national correspondent, Rika Duncan, spoke with Jones about her important Hurricane message. Hurricane Maria hit in the fall of 2017. So for 400 rounds of monopoly, you don't get to play at all. Not only do you not get to play, you have to play under the behest of President Trump and the Metropolitan Detention Program. You have to play and make money and earn wealth for them and the Trump administration. Trump administration is titled, How Can We
administration is taking children from their parents and effectively making them unaccompanied minors. Uh, this place used to be just for kids that would walk across the border for the most part, uh, virtually 100 percent on their own. And now you're getting more and more kids, up to 30 percent uh, as of right now, according to one official inside, uh, that have been separated from their parents over the last uh, couple of months. They have recreation, but they're allowed to delay outside, Chris, where we are in the fresh air uh, for two hours a day. And the rest of the 22 hours a day, they're inside so a former uh, Walmart. So succinctly, something I'm not doing right now, I think we all need to take a class from Kimberly Jones. I'm so glad you talked to her. Separated inside America. Senator and co-owner of the WNBA Atlanta Dream, obviously, for everything that we're seeing now, and that earning wrong social justice messaging on jerseys would convey a, quote, message of exclusion. Georgia senator, an appointed Georgia senator, who's a candidate in November's special election to finish out the term, suggested that instead of allowing players to have Black Lives Matter on their warm-up jerseys, the WNBA should use American flags instead, writing, quote, the truth is we need less, not more politics in sports in a time when polarizing politics is as divisive as ever. Sports is the power to be a unified antidote. And now more than ever, we should be united in our goal to remove We've had a record low of teenage pregnancy, a 30-year low for unintended pregnancy across the board. It's a very popular benefit, and it crosses party lines, it crosses everything. And so this is a real unfortunate development for the health and safety of women. As a moral issue, as an owner of a team, but I saved the best one for it because I haven't heard a lot of this until, of course, Joy Reid, the homophobe, she didn't let us down. They want to release all 78,000 non-violent drug offenders. Those are still news that they're going to get a part. That's why we're just those who walk around with the same, my ass, daddy owns your daddy's sperm since that was 40. Luckily, I captured my last one, but we just lost all power. My wife mocks me a lot for my craziness. No, no, no. I have a lot of craziness. It could be old manism, but I always say it's just because you go to war, you come back. You really kind of a little squirrely for a while and you don't trust a lot of shit and you check windows and blah 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 because motherfuckers were trying to shoot you and shit so I have flashlights everywhere and she thinks it's stupid but it just saved my ass because I'm in the bunker and the power went out for about five minutes and it was the inside of a bull's ass dark down here 
because, you know, it's a basement, so I didn't see shit, and I go, ah, this is why we prepare, but anyway, as I was saying before the the lights went out and in mid-sentence it just shut off, it's hard for me because I, I'm not, I don't trust the media, the left, politics, I'm very cynical on all, all this, that as fast as this all went out, that none of this was planned. You know, I, I talk with my tinfoil hat, my Alex Jones fucking weirdness, that, you know, they, they had a website during Obama, and they coordinated stuff. And I truly believe that's the way it works on the left, because the conservatives are all different. A lot, of, a lot to do with conservatives is that conservatives all have different opinions, and they're big tent now when they used to not be big tent, and they all have their own opinion and believe other people should have their opinion and they've become the actual free speech people in our country which is just insane it just really is and and i'm i'm not going to say they didn't do it so they could get votes i'm sure they did um it, it is kind of how all this works they don't have a whole lot of backbone i mean crenshaw does and a few other ones uh jordan i would say be another one but um this is just all too coordinated. Everything. Just rolling out all this stuff and the financing to get all these protests. So when we go in the woke section, I got to admit sometimes, it's almost like the colleges were just the dress rehearsal. You know, they knew someday they would get the ability to unload on American society. And the media, which is, you know, all college-educated little twats, they're, they're part of it because, you know, they agree with all this. I mean, it's not like it's something new to them. They know this all is true. It's truth. You know, it, it, milk is racist, goddammit. And Dungeons & Dragons, played by white dudes, is fucking racist somehow and uh, speaking is racist but silence is racist and i mean let's be honest everything's fucking racist it's why i played the soundbite just to be a smart ass but it's true it's really who they are and my bro in oregon matt sent me this this weekend and i'm half tempted to play this every time we do a woke section. Because today's woke's not super good. It's not like a great woke section. It's just okay. Because everything's woke. I mean, the whole fucking podcast is wokeness. That's all we're living with right now. But this um, this came from... Uh, what the fuck's the guy's name? Let me make sure I give proper credit to this. It is a cartoon. And... Uh, by Eric Majors TV, Social Justice Warriors. And damn, if we're just not living this, that they really, you know, we, the last thing I said before I played sound bites is, oh, do the, we shoot racists. He thinks that's okay. He just thinks that's totally hunky dory. And it's got to make you think do they really think they're superheroes? Yeah. 
so spot on. I mean, it is just fucking amazingly spot on. I am literally like in shock. And I don't know when he made this. I, I tried to find the date, but I couldn't really find it. So it, it could have been a long time ago. It, it could have been recently. I mean, I don't know. Um, but it, it it's perfect. You know, fighting fascism with fascism. And, and that I think is the... the Everything is racist is normal. That's our society. It's always been that way. We've been doing a segment on the show for years. Everything's racist according to me. I mean, and they just keep clarifying that. But social justice warriors heroes, I mean, July 4th, what did we do? Social justice warriors. When we did this, social justice warriors. I mean, the media looks at these people. Not the most intelligence in the world. Don't have to prove an argument because they never have to justify their fascism, their violence, what have you. Because they just say you're a racist or you're a Trump supporter. Or, I mean, for four years, that's the justification for everything. I mean, we started with Harper's. And what did they do? They inserted Trump. Like, that was their sign to their buddies. Hey, listen, Trump's, Trump, man, we're with you. Trump's bad. This is the end of days. We need to get rid of this motherfucker. So stop doing this. You're canceling us and we're with you. But it's that shark feeding frenzy. They are so fired up that now they're, It's just not conservatives canceling liberals. It's literally liberals canceling liberals. I mean, Jesus Christ, they're eating their own. J.K. Rowling has wrote books forever that everybody said supported the vision of gay kids and blah, blah, blah. But she didn't want to give up her feminism, so now she, she needs to be canceled. She's a piece of shit. And then they can justify shit like this. And I put it in the woke because you have to be woke to think this is okay. The city's plan to go back to school is being described as blended learning. De Blasio says next school year, students will learn in person at school as well as learn remotely. It will be five days a week and most students in school two or three days a week. Most schools will not be able to have all their kids at school at the same time. And schools that have historically been overcrowded are really going to struggle. And who do you think is going to get the three days a week? Minorities. And white kids will have to remote learn. Because they already had a leg up. They're white. 
So are you saying they're smarter than black kids? Once again, it goes back to what I said in the beginning. Isn't that racist to imply black people are stupid? But they're not just going after the schools. Oprah, Lionsgate, to make TV films based on anti-American 1619 project. 1619 project, that bad faith, cynical reinterpretation of American history that's been percolating in some of our high school's curricula is apparently being greenlit by Hollywood for TV and film. Oprah Winfrey and Liongate Studios agreed to a deal to make movies and TVs about it. What better way is there to handle our current moment of racial unrest than showing impressionable viewers that America's great legacy is actually a terrible one that fashioned in order to keep slavery alive in the new world? Variety reported on June 8th that Winfrey, the New York Times, and Liongate are partnering on a series of feature films and television. Oh, happy day. The aim is to reframe America's founding history in a much more racial light. Considering the country is now being rattled by BLM protests and American citizens are being scared into admitting untruths to appease the ML, the BLM mob, like the untruth that cops are hunting down African Americans, it seems no better time than Hollywood to mass produce a whole host of racial myths than America, about America. Many of us seem to be inviting them. Nicole Hannah Jones, the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist behind the project, described procuring the Hollywood apparatus to produce a series of films and shows. We took very serious our duty to find TV and film partners that would respect and honor the work and mission of the project, that understood our vision and deep moral obligation of doing justice to these stories. Mission. Yeah. Hannah Jones would argue that the central premise of the American founding was to preserve slavery. She wrote, The framers carefully constructed a document that preserved and protected slavery without ever using the word. Some might argue that the nation was founded not as a democracy, but a slave-acracy. I'm not reading anymore. Without that... You don't have what's in the streets right now. The race grievance. You don't have it. They can't let it go. They can't admit that we had black president. You, you can't admit that we have made more fucking ways of trying to fix what we did with quotas and legislation. I mean, the, the the best part about the 1619, and no time does it go out to the real racists, which were Democrats, Dixiecrats, those people. But we don't go after them. Why would we go after them? They're allies. And allies must be protected. Unless... You break the cardinal rule, which is compliment Trump. Goya Food CEO Bob Unan refuses to apologize for praising Trump. Will not be bullied by the woke mom. James Wood, Goya Food CEO, won't apologize in the face of boycott, backlash, pro-Trump remarks, suppression of speech. 
Bob Udane said a good example of fight against liberalism. Don't let his voice be suppressed. Stand up against these thugs. I'm buying Goya Foods just for not caving to the libs. And remember, Goya Food donates 1.5 million pounds of food to the poor every year. UFC fire, George Masafalda, Ms. Masafalda, whatever. Vidal. Masvidal. There we go. Don't listen to the woke mob. Goya beans are the best beans with some white rice. I'm a Latino son of immigrants that was blessed enough to eat Goya foods in good times and in bad times. Super necessary. Tony Bruno. Imagine morons wanting to boycott a great company because he kind of praised Trump. AOC. Oh, it looks like me. the sound of me Googling how to make your own adobo. Ivar Igorvalsky, uh, the CEO of Goya Foods, as the White House event says, we're blessed to have a leader like Trump. Make your shopping decisions accordingly. She then went on a screed. People are actually canceled. Don't get their thoughts published and amplified in major outlets. This has been a public service announcement. The term cancel culture comes from an entitlement as though the person complaining has the right to a large captive audience and one is a victim if people choose to tune them out. Odds are you're not actually canceled. You're just being challenged, held accountable, or unliked. Dave Rubin, you are the absolute worst. That's not me canceling you. Just me airing my opinion as a free citizen of a free country. You're working to destroy. Somebody put Nazis marking Jew-owned business. Nathan, this is a redirection and therefore a bad argument. The issue with cancel culture is that you're willing to jeopardize a person's employment because they said something that offended you. It's a culture of fear. You're threatening a person's livelihood by threatening their employer with bad press so they do nothing about it. You're weaponizing fear, which is evil. Another person... I like her, but she's wrong on this. I've had people try to cancel me after misreading a tweet and contact my publisher rather than say it to my face. Cancel culture's rear. And Matt Hag is a liberal. You're a liberal. Who do I blame more? I blame the fucking companies that would fire somebody over a tweet. If it wasn't from an official account or they didn't say something that was super heinous, why would you fire somebody? How could you fire somebody? That's the thing that cracks me up. How can they fire people? It's a wrongful termination. Technically. But that's what what they've done. I mean, the first one that I can remember about is a lady talking about lions. By the time she landed in fucking Australia... She was fired in Australia. Then we got WAPO. Perspective. This is news. 12 signs Trump could try to run a fascist dictatorship in a second term. Joy, Joe Concha. How these perspectives are laughed out of the room anymore is so 2020. Someone got paid to write this BuzzFeed-esque fascist fan fiction, Trump derangement syndrome. It's pathetic. It's the left, though. John Hockley. Don't criticize China or express support for law enforcement to ESPN. It makes them real mad. Senator Hockley blasts NBA for kowtowing to being a and refusing to support U.S. military and law enforcement. A fucking 
Adrian Wojnowski, ESPN. Fuck you. That's the email he sent. Dead Zed. He should lose his job from ESPN. Them are the rules nowadays. Phil, apparently you're not allowed to work with the NBA without first sacrificing your soul. They will fight you, resorting to cursing you out in order to defend China and Hitler, and it will curse you out if you have the gall to defend law enforcement. Then he tries to say he's sorry. I was disrespectful and made a regrettable mistake. I'm sorry the way I handled myself, and I'm reaching out immediately to Senator Hockley to apologize directly. I also need to apologize to my ESPN colleagues because I know my actions are unacceptable and should not reflect on any of them. Tench Cox. Um, now will you be apologizing for defending Chinese dictators who throw ethnic minorities as well as Muslims into re-education camps? Or would that harm your income potential in covering the NBA? The most amazing thing about this is this week ESPN had a huge shakeup. We're talking gigantic. And for the first time ever, there'll be no Mike Golick. A guy who's been there since 2003, I believe. They're gonna bring. They're gonna bring back fucking uh, Greenberg. He'll have his own um, radio show in the morning because his his fucking getup failed miserably. But somehow he got to keep his job. But they're getting rid of Golik. And you know why they're getting rid of Golik? They're getting rid of Golik because Golik isn't political. He's very not political. His son's a liberal fucking moonbat, but that's because he went to college recently. But senior Golik, no, he's, he's not. Stephen A. loses his radio channel but gets a TV show. A more prominent TV show. But would you not expect that? Because all his show is, is white people are bad. I got Republican friends, and I ain't gonna say, this person's bad, blah, blah, blah. But whites are bad. I mean, that's that's his whole fucking thing. I mean, if you really think about it, that's his whole goddamn presentation. I mean, I've listened to his show. I didn't have anything better to do. I was stuck in a car... I would fucking be bored as hell, and here's fucking Stephen A. going on a rant about how white people fucking suck. I mean, that's pretty much it. And, of course, Dan Levitard, because the whole crew is anti-Trump. So they're going to keep their shows, even though they lose another hour, I guess, is what's going to happen to the Levitard show. But this guy, no, he's not going anywhere. He keeps his job, because it's okay. It's okay if you're a lefty. In big business. I mean, it's a double standard that is almost criminal in my mind that you can get away with saying pretty much anything. He wrote a sitting senator and told him to go fuck himself. Now let's play the game. If that sitting senator was Rashida Tlaib, do you think you'd be employed? Anybody out there? Fuck to the hells, to the no, to the fucking hells no. Ain't happening. He would be unemployed before I could fucking finish this podcast. And that's why cancel culture 
is a fucking crock of shit. It's just a crock of shit. Whose fault is it? Well, it's kind of ours, because we don't play that stupid shit. I I believe you should be able to have a goddamn opinion, and I don't think you should lose your job unless you said something horrible at the workplace. Like, when that Target girl, because I didn't do a very good job of fucking framing that out, when that Target girl went on and, fuck you, Trump, funk Trump, and fuck you, and it didn't all get attacked, uh, you know, captured on video, it was him confronting her the second time. Instead of taking the video on face value, and he said where he was, the girl's in a Target shirt, all right? They said, please message us, and so we can get full details. Because they didn't want to publicly say, hey, we took care of this and we fired that person. They're more scared of the left mob than they are of their manager, not employee, manager telling a customer to go fuck himself. And there are places doing it, but it doesn't get publicly done. Whereas if it's the opposite, if a Trump supporter refuses to take off his mega hat, they publicly say we fired this person. But if a person wears a BLM shirt repeatedly and they tell them you can't wear this at work and they fire them, it's hush-hush. So there's your abbreviated woke section. Going to do a lighter fare and a soundbite of the day. This is pretty fucking good. This this is a, a literal cat. Yeah. This is why mail-in ballots are bogus, folks. This is why conservatives say we shouldn't do it. A cat got a registration to vote. We're often being reminded to vote. Some people are even getting flyers in the mail to register. But Ron and Carol Tins say there's no way their cat is going to the polls. When Ron Tins checked his mail Wednesday, he found something for Cody Tins. Cody doesn't get much mail. Cody is a cat. He died 12 years ago. The family keeps his ashes in this green container. A great cat, indoor-outdoor, loved his family, loved the neighborhood. He was 18 and a half when he passed away. So the Tins were surprised and a bit amused when they saw what came in the mail. We have a voter registration application for Cody Tims. It even came with a return envelope. How'd this happen? I mean, it's not reality. He's a cat. Here he is, and he's been dead for a long time. Carol Timms understands that in this election year, there's a huge push to get people to the polls. There's a huge push, but if they're trying to register cats, I'm not quite sure who else they're trying to register. I don't know if they're registering dogs. Yeah, but we need to vote by mail. Very, very important we do that. If you don't want that, then you're a racist or an American. I don't know which one it is. Our next is Sound by the Day, which is brought to you by Todd in Oregon. I don't know if he listens or not. A high school buddy thought it was pretty good. It is about um, Navy SEAL. Let me get to where I need to be because um, I'm screwed up. I'm let Jason Redman. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. Well, my gosh. What can I say except, Debbie, you're going to Paris, and this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's won a million dollars.
Our guest this week on Veterans Chronicles is Jason Redman. He's a U.S. Navy veteran of Afghanistan and Iraq. He's a U.S. Navy SEAL. His attitude after being severely injured in Iraq became an inspiration for many wounded warriors. Jason is also the author of The Trident, The Forging and Reforging of a Navy SEAL Leader. And Jason, thanks so much for being with us. Greg, honored. Thank you. Where were you born and raised, sir? So I was born in Ohio, a little town um, kind of southeast of uh, Columbus, Shockton, Ohio. Okay. And uh, there's a a history of service in your family, correct? There is. Absolutely. So I grew up always wanting to be in the military, just hearing the stories. My grandfather had uh, a very distinguished career in World War II. He was a B-24 pilot flying in the European theater. He flew all of his missions, even was shot down uh, over Yugoslavia, and they crash-landed the plane. Uh, and thankfully, snow, it was winter, so they crashed land in the snow. Everybody survived, and then uh, he led his crew. They evaded back to friendly lines to Italy, and he got the Distinguished Flying Cross for that, that mission. And then he seven air medals over his uh, combat career. Uh, never got to meet him. Came home and died of a heart attack after the war. So, uh, but then my dad followed suit. He went in the army. Uh, I was the black sheep and joined the navy. My brother was a marine, and my sister was Air Force. Why the navy? Uh, specifically for the SEAL teams. Okay. Um, growing up, I, I grew up in the age of GI Joe, like many young men, and just kind of became very <clears throat> intrigued and by the special operations side of the military and. Initially looked at Army long-range recon patrols and Rangers and the Green Berets. And my dad had done some work with the SEALs in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And he said, hey, there's a group of guys out there. You know, they say their training's the hardest. Uh, they jump out of planes. They blow stuff up. They, everything's from the water. They swim. He said, you may want to look into that. And I did about the age of 15. And I said, that's where I'm going. What was that training like? We hear the stories all the time, but for someone who's actually been through it? I mean, it's tough, you know, and it's, it's, it's neat because I've had the unique perspective of going through not only SEAL training, I went through Ranger school, and a lot of people always ask me, well, what's harder? Um, SEAL training is, is just, it's brutally hard. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's designed to be that way. Um, as you get further away from it, though, you, you forget uh, I had the honor of going back about, probably five or six years ago now, watching a class go through Hell Week, and it brought back a lot of memories. But, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that puts it in context is is the, the statistics. So my class, uh, I started with class 200, and we started with 148 students, and uh, I didn't even graduate with my original class. I graduated in class 202, but 200 only graduated 19. Uh, so that was its, uh, you know, loss ratio, sticking right around uh, an average attrition rate of 75% for SEAL training. Is there any point where you were close to yes. tapping out? Yeah. Um, when I was going through Hell Week, Hell Week is one of the hardest blocks of training, many say in the U.S. military, some say in some of the world's militaries, but it's one week straight where you get very limited sleep. Uh, if you're lucky, you may get two or three hours of sleep for that entire week. starts on Sunday. You go till Friday uh, afternoon, early evening, and you're constantly wet, coated in sand. You're constantly moving. You're cold, and it is just hell. And uh, I 
had been told that if I could make it to sunrise on Wednesday morning, it got easier. So I wrapped my head around that tidbit of information, and it was my lifeline that I hung on to. So the sun rose on Wednesday morning, and I was like, you know, I'm telling buddies, hey, it's all downhill from here. You know, we made it, except we had not. Uh, <laughs> Thursday night was my hardest night of Hell Week. Uh, the temperature in San Diego dropped that night uh, down into the high 40s. Uh, my boat crew was losing every single race, and when you lose, you're punished for it um, through, you know, unique, you know, extra exercises or extra moments, freezing in the cold surf, and uh, that's exactly what was happening. And I, I kept thinking back, you know, this is, you know, this is BS, you know. I, Wednesday morning came and went. It's supposed to be easier, and it wasn't. I did. I For a few moments, I thought about quitting. And uh, but I, I told myself, look, if you quit, you know, this goal is done. So it kept me in there and I pushed through to the other side and, and uh, finished all week. What was the feeling when you finished? Amazing. Uh, it, it is amazing. Um, it's uh, you're so tired, though. It is a fatigue. The only time I've ever felt a fatigue that heavy uh, and even more so was when I was shot and bleeding out. Um, you know, you're so tired, you're, you know, you can't even think straight. And you're so cold that that's all you could think about. So uh, the biggest thing I remember about post-Hell Week was once we finally were secured, uh, we had a community shower that was probably about 10 feet wide and about 15 feet long. And there was probably, I don't know, 10 shower heads that lined the walls. And I took one of the metal chairs out of my room and put it right in the center of the shower. And I turned on all the shower heads on hot. And I just sat in the shower and slept in there uh, for at least a couple of hours before I went to bed. Uh, that's the biggest thing I remember after a week. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got to warm up a little bit. Yeah. Man. So where, after all of this, where were you assigned pre-9-11? So pre-9-11, I was an East Coast SEAL my entire career. Uh, my first SEAL team was SEAL Team 4. And uh, at that time, the, the United States was heavily involved in the drug war. Uh, so we were really working hard to try and stem the flow of drugs coming out of South America. So a lot of the things that I did early in my career prior to 9-11 was uh, uh, jungle counter-drug related in uh, Colombia, Peru, and uh, working with our foreign counterparts, special forces and government agencies on things like that. Uh, did, did a stint in training uh, where I was teaching um, reconnaissance and surveillance, communications, things like that, where I moved into an area where I got recommended for a commission, uh, picked up for a commission, and headed off to school. So after 9-11, how does that change where you're deployed? But changed everything. I mean, literally, 9-11 changed everything. I mean, I don't know how much – I'm sure it impacted the military as a whole on the same level. But within the SEAL teams, it was a, a absolutely dynamic shift in everything. It shifted in the way we deployed. It shifted in the way we configured the SEAL teams. It shifted in our tactics. Uh, up until 9-11, the SEAL teams – the last time the SEAL teams had seen heavy sustained combat was Vietnam. So many of the tactics that we were still teaching was from the Vietnam War. 
<clears throat> we were also using a lot of old Soviet doctrine. You know, that obviously played in. But it was uh, 9-11, you know, we got into this very ambiguous, uh, very heavy um, urban and close quarters combat, mountainous, long-range desert combat. And it made us really take a look at, gosh, a lot of the things we're doing have changed. Uh, like I said, the deployment cycle changed. Prior to 9-11, the SEAL teams were geographically specific to areas of the world. And after 9-11, the demand was so high on special operations forces that they reconfigured how the SEAL teams deployed. And every single SEAL team became worldwide deployable. Afghanistan, you were there before you went to Iraq, correct? And what was, I don't know how much you can talk about it, but uh, what, what type of missions and, and type of responsibilities were you taking on there? We, uh, I mean, the SEAL team's primary mission is a, uh, probably our primary mission is, is direct action. Mm -hmm. So we are going after individuals, so find, find, fix, and finish the enemy. So whether we capture those individuals or whether we uh, aid them on their way. And that's specifically what we were doing in Afghanistan. So we were doing uh, what we call uh, capture-kill missions. So um, operated different places in Afghanistan and everything from individual target takedowns take to uh, sometimes long-range patrols where we were patrolling through uh, valleys and, and dense areas up in the mountains where we knew there was heavy enemy activity and we were looking for caves. We blew up a lot of caves. So those were some of the missions that we were doing in Afghanistan. How would you describe the Taliban or whatever other groups you were fighting there? Were they competent? Were they, did they provide challenges that you expected or didn't expect? Yeah, they were definitely competent. I mean, they are people who have uh, been at war for many years. I yeah. mean, they held off the Soviets, and uh, you would be ignorant to think that they didn't know what they were doing. Um, you had to fight them on their terrain, in their backyard, on, uh, in an area that they knew very well and in an area that uh, they had used very effectively against the Soviet Army. So you had to go in that, and you had to respect that heavily. Uh, they were very good at using the terrain, and we had to be very aware of that. So we recognized we had to maintain an extremely high level of fitness to be able to operate at these high altitudes and to be able to maneuver quickly in this really steep mountainous terrain uh, that, was, you know, that was where they liked to fight. How did you counter the home field advantage there? Well, how did you? They, they know where all the mountain passages go, and, and you don't. How do you? How do you overcome that? Uh, extensive intel collection, extensive understanding of terrain, uh, extensive. Uh, um. It's like a thirty-minute soundbite, so I kind of cut it down to ten minutes. But it's about a book, so thought I play that for some military content before we get to um our this is america and close this podcast out i wanted to play a video that detroit had to do because now that the media has gone all in on that all cops are racist pieces of shit there was a shooting you didn't hear about it because the perp was shooting at the cops they didn't even make news. So they had to announce it. And then I want to play Nancy Pelosi when asked, should we just let hooligans tear shit down? Or should we 
have city councils do it. You know, I'm, I'm not. So at this point, as he's going down, he is still actively firing his weapon. And this is when the additional officers engaged him. But I just want to make note, uh, as you can see in the video, that the officer who was initially fired upon showed tremendous courage in pursuing an armed suspect who clearly fired two shots in his direction. And it's a, simply a miracle uh, that he wasn't struck in the head. We don't know how close, because he was aiming the pistol. As you can see, when, once he raised his arm, could you just stop the bill right there? And you can see the officer two to three feet away, aimed directly at his head, but a miracle, uh, he wasn't struck by gunfire. We believe he may have been hit at this time again. A total of four shots were fired by officers. A total of four shots fired by the suspect. Respectfully, shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night, throwing it into the harbor? People do what they do. It, it's, it's a, it is, uh, I do think that from a safety standpoint, uh, it would be a good idea to uh, have it taken down if the community doesn't want it. I don't know that it has to be a commission, uh, but it just could be a, a community view. And sometimes it's something that's been there, that view has been there for a while. But let's just say... I always say to young people who come, to, children who come to the Capitol, when you look around, you see statues to people in, in Washington, monuments and the rest, who, uh, who we respect, Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, you know, heroes. They would want us to be talking about the future, your future. So everything we do here is about you. It's not necessarily, um, they would want it to be about looking forward, not looking back. Uh, so let's just think about what are the uh, values, the vision, uh, the perspective uh, that we enshrine and how that benefits our children rather than having a big fight about um, was somebody worth it. We know they're not worth it if they committed treason against the United States. Thank you all very much. People are going to do what they want to do. And I, I tie those together. You may say that's fucked up, but I tie that together. That That's what we're allowing for an election. We are saying, let the mob do what they want because there are mobs. And as I've said on the show before, I totally believe it's by design. They're trying to scare you from having an opinion and voting for Trump. They are full court press. Trump can't win. Demographics again, with we're going to let all Latinos vote. Illegal Latinos. And if we don't like what you're doing, we're going to sick our fucking mob on you. 
and there's nothing you can do to stop it. So, to our This is America, Maddow, the, we are four years later almost. The election was illegal, and Navarro again. Jesus Christ. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I got the strap. Is sort of have tails. Um, and and here's one where the tail wraps around from all the way back to the way Trump was elected in the first place. It wraps all the way from then right here to now at the end of this presidential term, right up through the election in which the American people are either going to reelect him or elect Joe Biden instead. Because part of the way we got this president, part of the way he was elected was itself not just a scandal, but a crime. Um, and I'm not speaking hyperbolically. Federal prosecutors in New York say that he directed the commission of a felony scheme by which illegal contributions were made to his campaign in the form of hundreds of thousands of dollars in payments that were made to two women to stop those women from speaking publicly before the election about them allegedly having affairs with the president. We all know, and the prosecutors in that case know that he, the president more than anything wants to run out the clock. But they know that, and now they are running, too. It's it madness. Is unconscionable. How, it's unconscionable. It is ridiculous. How can we be waiting That in the United States of America, it takes seven days to know whether you've got this highly contagious disease or not. How could that be happening in Florida? I don't want anybody telling me anything else about the third world. Because if that's not third world, I don't know what is. And look, Donald Trump is coming to Miami today. This is a great time. This is a great opportunity for him to be presidential for once and talk about social distancing and talk about wearing masks. Because make no mistake, it is his supporters who are out there refusing to wear masks because they think it makes them look weak, because it's government overreach, because it's communism, because it's Big Brother telling you what to do, because it's so hard to wear a mask. I'll tell you what's hard. Wearing a nurse's uniform in an emergency room that's filled with COVID patients, that's hard. Wearing a fireman's uniform into a fire, that's hard. Wearing the nation's uniform, which President Trump refused to do and was a draft dodger for, like Tammy Duckworth did, that is hard. Wearing a mask is not hard. Breathing through a mask is not hard. Wearing Spanx is harder than wearing a damn mask. So everybody should just wear their damn mask because people are dying. People are getting sick. It's not just old people. It's not just liberals. It's Republicans. It's Democrats. It's black. It's white. It's Latino. It's rich. It's poor. COVID does not discriminate. And we are at a, at an emergency here in Florida. People got to knock off the politics and just face the science and the facts. Everything I play on this show, effective January 2021, will be illegal. Brian Seltzer will wet his pants when Fox News host Tucker Carlson, the only one with balls over there, will start ripping apart Biden. It's unbelievable. The mass thing and the firefighter spurred me to find a couple things. Here's Neera Tandon. 
It turns out we were lucky that this virus hit blue states first. They had the thinking to take action to stop the spread of the virus in their states. Imagine if it hit in Texas or Florida first. The whole country could be seeing their surges. This is on the heels of New York Times finding 6,300 virus patients were sent to a nursing home. And Governor Cuomo, Governor Cuomo is going to write a book about how he handled coronavirus. So let's look at how he handled coronavirus. I decided to go back to the stats. I mean, because numbers really matter. All right. They matter. First and foremost, we know that if you have asymptomatic, you're positive. If you have antibodies, you're positive. And in many cases, we're finding out even if you didn't get a fucking test and you died, you're positive. Or if you didn't stay for the test, you're positive. So all this is on the backdrop of these numbers that almost everybody I follow on Twitter. I don't know anybody that knows anybody that literally has COVID or died from COVID. These are things that, you know, the media never, ever talks about. We, we, we just throw them out there like they're fact. The facts are this and the facts are that. But they never go into the facts are, hey, um, why are all these numbers so fucking exaggerated? So as a nation, we have 3,291,786, 3, cases. Uh, total deaths, 136,671. And then you go into blue states, all right? Just blue states. 2,182,612 with 115,500 or 253. 115,253 deaths. Per million, all right, for like New York, 21,899 cases. California, 8,000. New Jersey, 20,000. And if we're talking the top 10, New York, California, New Jersey, Illinois, Arizona, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. 1,395,813 cases with 75,539 deaths. In the top 10, there's only three blue states. They equate for 606,000 cases and 10,000 deaths. So what the media has been doing is they talk about the surge in cases and they've moved the goalpost. The goalpost was, well, um, Trump got all these people killed. And then when that didn't work, we went to red versus blue. And in the red states, they've had surges. And yes, Texas has shot up there. A few of them have shot up. Not saying they haven't. But deaths, no. And then smart people start going, wait a minute. I thought this virus, humid, hot weather, it doesn't spread. But these are the antibody tests. These are 
people not even getting tests because they gave up. Why are they doing this? Well, it's the all on assault on Trump. They got to blame Trump for it. They got to keep schools closed so that people aren't working. They keep forgetting that after the new year and if Biden does win, which it looks like he will, they're stuck with this economy. But unlike Republicans, they know they have a complicit media that will cover up all their faults. They won't say what they're doing. And they won't cover any of their just totally extreme partisan proposals unless, God willing, the American people vote right and they keep the Senate. Right now, if we don't keep the Senate... Every crazy thing we heard on the Tucker Carlson will go into effect, including losing your guns. Ungrandfathered AR. Ungrandfathered. Everybody has to have a license. Not a concealed carry, a license. And that's some scary-ass shit. So, hopefully, and I'm going to research for one of these podcasts to find out who's up, Who's got more people up in this next election to see how things can flip? But it's pretty obvious the House is going to stay Democrat. Unless Trump changes quickly or it's the same craziness we ran into in last election cycle where people don't say the truth because they're scared of saying the truth, which, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. That still could be a thing on polls and everything. People don't say they're going to vote for Trump. Because you don't want the mob on your front doorstep. We could be looking at a complete dim takeover of our country. Because a lot of people don't know about this stuff. They're not paying attention to this stuff. And the media is conveniently not talking about the extreme policies they want to do. Why would they? They're not stupid. They know a large percentage of this country doesn't buy the bullshit. And then we go back to that Navarro. Vandals cut down flagpole at 9-11 Firefighter Memorial. A flagpole of the memorial honoring four firefighters who lost their lives in September 11 terrorist attack was found cut down by vandals in Washingtonville, New York. The defunct pole was discovered on Wednesday, and according to Washington Police Chief Brian Zucker, a tool was used to cut the pole. Four to five feet of the pole was left standing in the ground, and a message was not been released by authorities written on it with a marker. An eagle figurine that sat atop the flagpole was found at St. Mary's Parish Center, which was also vandalized. PolitiFact was sure quick to say that there's been no vandalism to 9-11. Hmm. Then Black Lives Matter mural near Chicago defaced because somebody burned out on it. Nobody knows if it was purposely done. I mean, who the fuck knows if it was or not? Nobody knows. It's just like the gay one in another town. And then there was a street sign that somebody put All Lives Matter And then the mayor said, we're going to investigate and find out why somebody did this in Massachusetts. And then we had Ford workers 
writing a letter that they didn't want to make cop cars because somehow cop cars are racist now. And we come to find out, oh, the CEO says, go fuck yourself. And he stood his ground, which is amazing. But the most telling thing that happened, warrant served on St. Louis couple who defended private property and they confiscated his rifle, rifle and handgun. They took him. They ignored the Castle Doctrine and a rogue BLM district attorney confiscated it. And that, my friends, is some socialistic bullshit crap that you can see in the future. And the reason why I cover it and make a big deal about the weapon is that's the liberal red flag law. It just takes a neighbor to go, I saw Tony Reed on his front porch cleaning his weapon, and yeah, that that isn't going to work. That's just not going to work. That's bullshit. I mean, we are arresting people for defacing paint on roads, taking guns... They vandalized everything you could ever fucking think of. If that's not a reason to vote against Biden, I don't know what other reason you can have. And since we have time, and I hope you all don't mind, I've been trying to cut the podcast down. Three and a half hours is way too long. So we're going back to the 2.30. So I've been editing things and kind of not hitting everything and trying to hit a few subjects. But stay true to the show, which is our media blows ass. So i got to play some media sound bites. This one I thought was super funny, and I balanced on, okay, I'll push it next podcast for... Uh, to me, uh, lighter fare, because it's fucking hilarious. But this is an FNC paddle talking about Don Lemon defending BLM. CNN's Don Lemon went so far as to lecture actor Terry Crews on what he thinks the Black Lives Matter movement really means. Listen to this. When you look in the city of Chicago, there are nine children who died by gun violence, by black-on-black gun violence with uh, from June 20th all the way to today. And you're talking about even with the Atlanta child murders, there were 28 kids who, were, who died during, in two years. You're talking about a month, and you have nine black kids, and the Black Lives Matter movement has said nothing. The Black Lives Matter movement was started because it was talking about police brutality. If you want an all-Black Lives Matter movement that talks about gun violence, in communities, including, you know, black communities, then start that movement with that name. But that's not what Black Lives Matter is about. Yeah, you be the judge on that clip, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Lemon's embarrassing showing even prompted a former CNN staffer to admit the network has taken a turn for the worse in the Trump era. Joining me now with reaction, media reporter for The Hill, Joe Concha, Salem Radio nationally syndicated host, Larry Elder, and civil rights attorney, Leo Terrell. Don Lemon is everything that political journalism has mostly become. And that is not to be a curious journalist asking questions and trying to get to the truth. Instead, it's using their platform to advance a cause, or in this case, to be a 50-something president of the high school debate team in defending Black Lives Matter. So Don Lemon was actually asked about this in a podcast interview a couple days later, 
And here's what he had to say, Jason. My role as a journalist is to speak from my truth and from my lens and from where I come from. Remember, this is an anchor saying this. And I don't think those things are biases. Look, that's the very definition of bias. It just takes away from the whole concept that we're supposed to have journalists. That they, They're no longer journalists. They're just activists. They, they have cited and chosen... And once again, if if you didn't pay attention during Obama, all of this will go away. They will be in defense mode. Just defense mode. And you can honestly say for the first time in Fox News history, they didn't defend everything Trump said. They were more objective than anybody else. And what does that say? Times are crazy. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP Podcast, gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Tune TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down, and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the Twitter page at FOP Tony Reed. We're going to shoot for our next podcast to be Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Uh, 16 July, year of our Lord, 2020. I want to thank Matt in Oregon, Todd in Oregon, and anybody else I missed that sent me some information. Got a couple emails, but I think I answered it with my verbiage. You know, what is the point of the show? Am I a Trumper? Yeah, that's the usual trolls that just kind of come along. A lot of times people follow me online and, and their handle pretty much says what they are. But sound, uh, the, uh, listens have been great and I thank you for that. As we always end our show, make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. Tune back in Thursday for another show and stay safe. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember... It's a short ride. Makes every day count. I'm the sun and the air. I'm the shyness that is criminally broken. I'm sun and air. I'm nothing in particular.